0: Hello, Chris, and hello to you, the listener. Today, we're talking with Brandon and Annalyn Miller. They are successful business owners and the parents of seven children. Seven children. They are passionate about seeing families engage a strengths-based parenting approach that unearths the uniqueness in every child and empowers positive parent-child relationships through every stage of life. Brandon is a certified strengths coach, and Annalyn owns and operates a division of Keller Williams Realty called the Annalyn Miller Group, and they are co-authors of the book Play to Their Strengths, which is the subject of our conversation today. Brandon and Annalyn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us.
1: Happy to be here. Yeah, right. I I first um, became aware of you, Brandon, uh, because we're both in the Front Row Dads group, and you, about three or four months ago, led a training or there was a, a training call about intentional parenting, uh, which is one of the pillars of Front Row Dads. It's one of the pillars I'm I'm most interested in, in strengthening and getting better at. And so after your your training, which I will admit, I can't remember exactly 100% what all the training was about, but I do...
2: It, neither do I.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it... It was, it was one of those where it's like, I know this guy knows something that I don't know. I want to know more about you. So I then found out, you guys, you had a book that you co-authored with your beautiful wife, Annalyn. We read the book, and I was like, boom, game changer. Uh, so when we're thinking about season three of the podcast, Rewriting Your Story, I knew I wanted to have you guys on if you would uh, gracious, grace us, and you said yes, and so we're excited to have you here today. So yeah, welcome, welcome. I'm really excited for this conversation. And I know sometimes those biographies or those little bio clips don't always tell the picture perfectly. But is there anything else that, that helps us get a, uh, a better picture of uh, who Brandon and Annalyn are that maybe we didn't uh, touch in that bio?
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah, you know, I think the passion we have about strengths-based parenting, uh, you know, started as a as a concept in a ministry setting. So we we served in a ministry. Uh, where I was on staff as a pastor and one day someone found a book in the airport. It was titled now discover your strengths.
1: Mm. And it
2: came into my office and they said, Hey, we should do this. And that was always the code for you should do this. Yes. And so I I get this book and my job was to tell our staff about it. We had 28 people on staff at the time. And uh, I was fortunate enough to find a class, a a half day class just to learn the basics of what this whole idea was. And we were, we were caught by it. Mm -hmm. And so probably a, a year in, we realized. You know, if this is working so well at work, we probably should bring this home. Apply
3: it in our yeah, house. And,
2: and and as our kids were emerging into their teen years, our our, our first set of kids. So we have uh, we have bigs and littles. We'll call them um, as they were emerging. We started to realize, wow, we're we're feeling distance and they're changing. And so in bringing this approach in, it made such a powerful impact on how it, it reshaped and reframed our story, our relationship with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. Very good. Yeah, I was a classroom teacher for 14 years, and I'm sure you guys have a lot of experience knowing you have seven kids. And from reading the book, I believe they were all in the public school system. And so... There were so many parts of that job I loved, but a big part of my job, especially in the end, I was doing like specific interventions for children that were struggling in certain areas. And so I was finding their weaknesses and then trying to build those up. And that was like at least eight hours of my day, you know, every working day. And so reading this though, it's one of those hindsight things where it's like, oh, of course, but it's so fresh and new at the same time. It's like, oh, why aren't we doing this? So I just want to thank you for bringing this to light and give you the chance to maybe talk a little bit about strength-based versus what is much more common, which is like a deficit-based approach to learning and growing and teaching our youngsters.
3: Yeah, I I know for the two of us we personally enjoy, you know, just how we're made up, taking things that are good and making them better. That's like natural, like something we enjoy doing, and we realized that it's totally applicable with our kids. And you made the mention of school, and what I what I and I don't know if we put this in the book, but we actually partnered with our teachers. So specifically, our, our youngest son, Daniel, was just having a more difficult time with his studies. And we realized, you know, when when kids aren't getting good grades, it really goes into all areas of their lives. Right. Like it just affects yeah. lots of different things. And so we had lots of sit downs with the teacher and we were able Maybe. to share with her our perspective. And so we just told her, we said, hey, could we work together? We said, we know his strengths. We know one of the top ones is competition. So I know he's got to get his reading count up to this number, but maybe can we lower that and give him a a bar, just a short, you know, a a lower bar and then make it more competitive. And let's just, you know, change the track he's on so that he's going to get, he gets engaged. You know, so we weren't trying to do something um opposite of what what his teacher was doing. We were just like, can we can we work together to try and do this in a way that is gonna excite him and engage him? Mm -hmm. And I think that made a world of difference. It did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it might help to people listening. We've mentioned seven kids, some about your background, but I wonder if you could just maybe fill in a bit. A bit of that story, you know, how you got from young people yourselves without any kids to where you are today—authors of multiple books and <laughs> a, a long marriage with seven children. Maybe you can fill some in grandkids those in
1: the picture too. Oh yeah,
0: grandkids, six grandchildren. Wow! Six?
3: Is the podcast long enough for this? No. Okay. <laughs> so 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 going all the way, we've been married. Gosh, what will it be? 28 almost and a half years. Almost twenty-nine year. years and so we obviously had kids very young um our first three are tw- listeners you can take your word for it we look so young yes, yeah absolutely. i didn't know yeah. 30 year
0: olds could be married for 29 years that's yeah. like i'm shocked
3: ah uh, yes so so we've got three older children the oldest one is gonna be she's 28 and then our youngest is 11. and so we have a large gap in there so we had our first three It was, it was about 15 years ago, as Brandon mentioned, when we realized that on our parenting journey, we had more frustrating days. And, and I would say we, we were in that stage too, where we felt like we were losing a bit of contact with our teens and we just knew we had to shift, like something's just not clicking. Yeah.
0: And
2: And, and I think for our older three, because they're, they're moved out. So all three of our olders, 28, 27, 25, they're married um and each has at least one child so one two and three actually um they have children and then we have four at home so we have a freshman in college she's 18 a senior in high school 17 an eighth Eighth grader 14 and a sixth Sixth grader grader. who's almost 12. so we we have the bigs and the littles we didn't plan it that way we had an eight-year space between child four and five and it it created uh, excuse me three and four it created a really interesting dynamic where it was like all the lessons learned with the older three got to come down and be applied to the youngers and then a lot of apologies to the older three yeah. of how things went. But but thankfully, uh, you know, we were able to rekindle a really healthy adult parent relationship. And so mm-hmm. now as grandparents and, and adult parents, um, in-laws, right, you bring in-law kids into the picture uh, we have a really full scope now of just parenting dynamics, different different times when we're asked. It, it's fascinating the journey, but we still feel like we're in the thick of it because I have a sixth grader. Yeah, <laughs> like we're still in the day to day. You know,
3: we still read our own book. <laughs> I do tell people that. Like I make sure I we have play to their strengths on Audible, and I will listen to it at least once a year because I personally need it just as much as another parent. I mean, and that's that's the God honest truth. Yeah. <laughs> I go, oh, my goodness. Okay.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> you, it's intentional living. It's just being yes. very intentional because we are, I think, naturally driven to see things that are negative or or think, you know, we just have that bias. Mm-hmm. Rather than looking at someone and going, okay, I know you did this, but let me change my my view. And what strength are you using right now that maybe we just need to hone that in, you know? Yeah. So that's just an example. But yeah, yeah we're, we're users of our own book. That's
1: great. <laughs> and everyone, every parent could be, I don't like to use the word should too much, but it should be a user of your book because it's, it's, it's so, I don't know, eye-opening, enlightening. One of the things in your book that was really, um, that really bought me in early on is, I think, is, is your oldest son's name, David? Lance Lance okay was he the one Brandon where you and Lance were were going to football practice and you you know as a former football player were like okay you know here's my son he's going to be just like his dad he's going to he's going to love football can you can you kind of tell us that story cuz i think it really uh, probably resonates with a lot of us, men, women. I don't know, uh, men especially, uh, because when we have sons, you know, there's a lot of like we want them to be many versions of ourselves. Can you maybe take our audience through that, Brandon?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think as parents, we we get into this mindset and we use this term often. If I were you, I would. If I, you know, and and so we we do imprint, and that's that's normal. That's part of parenting. You want the best for your child, and you know, you pull from your own story. So for me. Uh, my son having interest in football. It wasn't until nearly high school. And I was like, yes, you know, so excited that he (laughs) He wanted to engage. So I, I I found my way into his, his team's coaching staff. I knew the the high school, so I got myself on. And so as we were getting ready through the summer, you know, I, I, I was prepping him. I was, you know, trying, really just trying to help him be successful. And as I was, I didn't quite realize how much I was trying to push. And so on the day of his first practice, we go to the store, we get his mouthpiece. I think last last bit of equipment he needed just to start the day. And as we're going, I kind of turned it on. I was, I was moved into like <laughs> motivation mode and like, all right, here we go. Here's how you're going to play. And this is what you do. And that's how you're a great team member. And right as we pull into the parking lot, he he reaches over to put his hand on me and he goes, Hey dad, um, I just need you to know that I'm not like you and I'm not going to play football the same way that you did. Mm-hmm. And and at 14, to be able to say that to your dad, one was impressive because he's half my size, you know, and, and so a little guy, and, and, and I'm a pretty pretty outspoken person, but two, the truth of what he said set me on my heels. I just said, yeah. go get him. Like, that was the best I had was just go get him. And so what that experience, and it's one of those moments where, you know, there was more to that comment than that moment, you know, it was oh, more yeah. than just football. And so for him, sure enough, I mean, one season of football, and it wasn't for him. That was he didn't he, <laughs> he did not like people hitting him in the head. He was not about that. He was he he thought, these people are crazy. Why are you acting like this? And had so many other amazing interests. And I could tell you more of just how interesting it is, that statement of how different we are, even what he does for his career now. Um, but it it opened a door for both of us and then subsequent other, you know, the other kids of um, we need to stop parenting these kids the way we think they should be.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: so, when the scriptures talk about raise a child in the way they should go, he or she should go, yeah. and then when they're older, they won't depart it, the emphasis on the way they should go,
1: mm-hmm. not the way yes. you
2: think they should go.
3: Yeah, we missed that. Yeah,
2: it was the way I think they should go. Mm-hmm. And that shift in paradigm allowed us to step back and go, wow. We need to be students of these people. We need to we need to understand them because how can we possibly parent them and then future relate to them if we're trying to meddle in and create something we want to be? And that was that was the big shift, Chris.
0: Yeah, I like some language you give to that in the book. I think it helps paint a picture for anyone wondering how do I know what way they should go? Um, You talk about it as like finding what makes their eyes shine, the sparkle in their eyes. Um, Yeah, so I wonder if you might be able to just keep going with that story about David or maybe one of your other, I mean, Lance. (laughs) Lance.
2: we lost too it's cool i don't know know. i
0: don't know yeah we do the same thing
2: we, we uh love benjamin zander so he was the former conductor of the boston philharmonic orchestra and he is the one that captured this statement he said i don't judge my success on fame or or wealth or power or glory i judge it on the number of people who surround me whose eyes are shining. Mm. And it it was so profound, the video that Xander, we refer to it in the book, it's so profound. He's this amazing, successful person. And he said, most conductors are are very ego driven. And he said the day he realized he does not produce a sound, he has to do it through his players. He realized, well, how do I know if they're actually catching it? And he said, I can see it in their eyes. I can see engagement. I can see fascination. I can see there mm-hmm. there is a, a clear responsiveness. And so in taking that into parenting, he actually says in his talk on YouTube, uh, it might have even been his TED talk, he said, parents, you get to ask yourself when your child's eyes are not shining, who am I being that this child's eyes are not shining? Now, who are they and what didn't they do or what did they, but who am I being that that's right. not happening? And then you get to dig in and learn how you help that happen, and and it's leadership. It's the essence of that influence, motivation. Mm -hmm. So with Lance, you know, Lance uh, after high school had an interest in becoming an electrician, which is fascinating because his dad tried to be an electrician around the
3: same age. Yeah,
2: and I almost died in the process. It was very (laughs) clear power tools and electricity and me did not were not going to be good for me or anyone around me. So. I was doing this while I was going through school and decided, wow, great career. People can do well, not for me. So the fact that he chose that career and today as a journeyman electrician is very successful in it, it just underscored, you know, it's like God's divine <laughs> comedy around, mm. okay, I get it. He's not like me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, opposite opposite day. Day. Yeah. And so now the ability to step back and go, I respect my son. I, yeah. I enjoy our conversation. I love to learn from him. I love to, to mm-hmm. glean. And, and that shift of, you know, even as adults now, and I could talk about the youngers, um, finding those those buttons that just bring it out of them. And as parents, the more moments where their eyes shine, what you're helping your child prepare for is a life where now they know what makes their eyes shine. Right. Yeah. They know a pathway that seems to fit for them And, and that's, that's a huge part of the challenge of parenting is we're not, we're not parenting kids. We're parenting successful adults. We're launching people to success, not just trying to get them through, you know, and survive. You know, we want, we want them to have uh, a life that thrives.
0: Yeah. And your words really like resonate in that they show how our kids really are gifts that are here to teach us where we also need work, right? Um, and so part of this approach to parenting really requires letting go of that ego that wants to make our kids in our image versus what you said. And so, Annalyn, I wonder if you want to talk about, there are a few other mindset shifts you guys talk about in the beginning of the book that help you notice their strengths versus their weaknesses or deficits. Um, and so you talk about Frustration to fascination and fear to love Mm -hmm. uh, and guilt to grace. I wonder if you might speak to any of those.
3: Well, I'll I'll start with the the fascination part. And this was I think again, moms probably relate a lot to this. You have your babies and and um you know they're precious and you're just so curious and every single new thing they do, it's like you're jotting it down. You know, the baby's first year that's Mm -hmm. when we're super intentional we know when they walked when their first tooth came you know all that good stuff and it's one of those things as they as they get a little older and as independence grows it's not abnormal to become frustrated and i i wanted to just flip that for us and really ask parents to consider living out that that's being in that space of fascination As they grow, I mean, and even past, like Brandon said, um, you know, 18 and they're into college, like continuing to stay curious. And, you know, for us, we liken it to to marriage. And we think, you know, a lot of times, you know, even in marriages, people change. You get, you know, there's different things that you're interested in or you grow. Right. And so in that same way that you would be intentional in a relationship like that, we need to take that same responsibility on with our kids. To stay curious, to be intentional, you know, it, it, we we liken it to sports too, because a lot of times, you know, people will just you're doing this. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. This is just what you're going to do until yeah. whatever. And we do have a rule: what you start, you finish. However, you know, if if interests change or things are different, we are very open to becoming curious with them. Mm-hmm. We're going through
2: it right now. Yeah. <laughs> We have a we have our youngest son is an amazing swimmer. I mean, yeah. setting records, amazing swimmer.
3: This one's a little hard, so yeah. this is good. And, and this and is, is good. And combo. Announced to
2: us this year. I I'm not swimming anymore. Swimming.
3: Oh. And I'm like, Brandon's like, okay, yeah, no problem. I'm like, should we talk about this more? Mm-hmm. No, should we re- le- Should we do a pros and he cons has list?
2: Declared his eligibility for the NBA, so he is oh. no longer interested in <laughs> swimming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's 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 found a new passion. And as his parents, you know, we, we, we can see his talent there too and see his talent over here and go, you know, keeping a child into something that they clearly, yeah, they're good. But um, when we list our, our, in our book, our five E's of a strength and we, so we describe the first E is enthusiasm. They look forward to it. They make time for it. Mm -hmm. And, and Daniel is outside playing basketball Every single chance he can get
1: mm.
2: when it comes to swim, especially the last year, it was, it, it, he went cause he had to, mm-hmm. it was a, I got to go cause I have practice and I do want to at least compete well. And, and so that shift and yeah, you know, he attained excellence, but mm, it wasn't bringing him energy anymore. Right. It, wasn't, it wasn't doing some of that. And so we, we, we try to use these frameworks around what are, what are we noticing? Because a strength is something that when you're finished doing it, should make you feel strong. Yeah, It actually should provide you energy. If I'm enthusiastic about it, it comes easy to me. Mm-hmm. I can perform at excellence above standard. Mm-hmm. I get energy, and then I have such in, enjoyment that I'll mm-hmm. keep keep going when it's hard. Right. And so as, as a parent, when we think about a simple framework, Anilin's comment that that fascination allows me to recognize that they have permission to change right. just like we do. Yep. We lose interest in things all the time. We move on from I love that hobby. That ah, done. Now I'm investing in this new <laughs> yeah. hobby. Ah, you know, and our children need to have the same freedom of expression without us, you know, like, no, you will
1: excel <laughs> the piano.
2: No, you will. It'll be this. And that's a big caution for us as parents to really learn how to, how to, how to maneuver through that.
1: Yeah, we just actually, like right before this episode, we recorded uh, Deb and I's uh, book study or book review of sorts of The Way of Integrity. And that book is was very helpful because, and that's really kind of what our podcast is about, is like here, here we can sometimes find ourselves as adults who have are starting to realize this midlife either crisis or malaise or just apathy setting in. And I think a lot of times that's because we don't really know ourselves well, because we listen to our parents tell us, you need to be this. Or we listen to a teacher say, this is what you're good at, and this is what you're not good at. And we believe those stories because we've heard heard them long enough. And sometimes they're true, like you are a great swimmer. And as, as parents of two female swimmers who are kind of in that middle, <laughs> upper tier. Like I know what those upper tier swimmers look like and they sometimes leave. And I'm like, how, how could like, I like, man, if my girl could set that record and she qualified for state, like in the very first meet, it's like, how, how could you step mm. away from that? But yeah, if you if you're not enthusiastic about it and it doesn't bring you that energy, It's easy to see that as parents, if we just said, no, keep swimming, you're going to do great things. All the lessons you're going to learn from being a swimmer. No, God made you a good swimmer, so you need to keep doing that. We just start to believe those stories until we don't even know that it's no longer our story and we're we're a coach like our dad or we're a journeyman electrician like our dad, even (laughs) though that's not what God made me to be. So I love, I think this just resonates because it's like, one, as parents ooh, we have an opportunity here to help, yeah. uh, help this, uh, problem or crisis of, of people not really knowing themselves or what they're good at. And then life yeah. just doesn't feel great when you're doing things every day that you're not good at or that you weren't built to do. And so uh, that was kind of yeah. a little bit of a monologue, but I, feel free to jump in if they're.
3: Yeah. Well, that's, I, I love it. And you know, one great example is our daughter, Sierra, who's she's 25, right? Mm-hmm. And she she basically testified that when she graduated from high school, she felt strong. She knew what she wanted to do, where she wanted to go. She felt like she had direction. You know, what else? I mean, she had she had very a very clear purpose of this is what I want. This is what you know I'm looking to do and what I want to major in. And
2: we well, because when we think of strengths, what it does to a child, because it Something really important. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, brain stages tell us that we're not fully formed until 25 or 30. Lots Mm -hmm. of stuff can change. Mm -hmm. And so Sierra, uh, uh, she's our third child. She was the one that, that probably benefited the most from us making this challenge because she was so formative sixth, seventh grade. And by the time she was in college and leaving college, she was so Mm -hmm. aware. I mean, one of the most self aware 20 somethings. In fact, We've talked about a, another book in the future where her and I are going to write about successful launching. Because she said, You know, Dad, I watched so many peers have no, yeah, idea no direction of mm-hmm. where they were Lost. going. And she said, I walked out of college feeling like I know the path I want to take. I know careers that fit for me. I know, I know what, my strengths. Yeah, I know what I, yeah. I, I want to do. I know what kind of mm-hmm. wife, mom, that she is that I want to be. and and that instilling of confidence i think as parents is one of the greatest gifts we can give oh yeah and mm-hmm. so if that doesn't come with the the sport or the activity or the you know the stuff like hey that's it's okay parent it's okay you can you can launch your children successfully with the confidence of knowing who they are in god right. and who they are how they were yeah. and and with that acceptance when we think about how easy it is to be self critical right yes. how easy it is to knock ourselves what social media can do to us in comparison, giving gifts to our children where they don't need that 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 support or uh, affirmation yeah. from others because they they they're contained they're, they yeah. yeah. they're
0: secure yeah yeah mm-hmm. even thinking of ourselves as adults we know we can make so much more gain when we focus on our strengths and use those in our daily activities versus our weaknesses, right? We just kind of forget that maybe with our kids and think we have to make everything equal. And so we kind of glossed over this thing that I think is important in bringing out the strengths of your children, and that was the five E's. So I wonder if you might just hit that again, either Annalyn or Brandon. Um, and then maybe we can use that to transition into this story from the book that I loved about Maddie and, or do you call her Madeline or Maddie? Maddie. Um, we call Maddie. her Maddie Moo. Okay. Cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about her and her report card and math versus reading and how you were able to bring out those five E's in that story even.
2: Yeah, So so just – for those listening, uh, there are five clues to a strength when you think about even yourself. So when you look at, number one, enthusiasm, what are you drawn to? You know, so if you love to cook, it's probably because it's been there a long time. You, you're you drawn to that. What seems to just come easy? So what, when when I enjoy watching someone cook, it's like the uh, the ingredients just fall into place. It's like they just know the right amount. And that's her right here, my wife. I mean, just know how to make food taste good. And, and it's a, it's so amazing to watch. But then the real test of a strength is excellence. Does it exceed uh, what we would say is a standard? So is there standout ability? And this is important for us as parents, uh, third-party validated. So we aren't, we aren't the ones that should be calling this out. I've coached yeah. uh, in athletics, and I've, I've had plenty of parents tell me their child should be the best. And the one starting and the one playing, I look back and go, Uh, you're wrong. (laughs) Your child's mediocre. We're trying to get them to be better in the best position. And you just remember, you're probably not objective right now. I'm trying to be objective as a coach. So, you know, excellence is third party validated. And then the real kicker, right? So I can have those first three and be really (laughs) great at something, but if it does not energize me, Mm. if it does not leave me feeling strong, so energy is the litmus test. That tells you something because if if we can enter into a task Mm -hmm. and and hours feel like minutes, it's called flow state. And you can get into that state, you're very likely operating in a strength because you'll come back and that's where the enjoyment, that that's the resistance uh, training, the ability to keep going at it, even when it's hard, even when it's not easy. So with the, the comment about Madeline, you know, in sixth grade, madeline's a senior now madeline hands me her report card and since you're a teacher you'll know how this goes right all a's one b and a c and i went right to the c i'm right to it and that's my negativity bias it's but you didn't I, say anything i caught <laughs> myself because the negativity bias inherent in each of us it's biological of it's, course it's protection i want to I want to protect her. I want her to have a future. I want her to be able to go to college. Mm-hmm. So I, I look at the C and I and I lift my eyes up because it was lower on the page to the A plus in reading. And I just decided to go with Madeline, great job on your report card. A plus in reading, do you like to read? And Madeline looks back with shining eyes. Daddy, I love to read. Mm-hmm. I said, Really? And then she got mischievous. She goes, Daddy, I stay up sometimes till two o'clock in the morning <laughs> reading books without you and mommy knowing it. With
3: her flashlight. <laughs> you know.
2: and, and I'm thinking like, was that like once? Or like, like do you do that regularly? But what, all that she was telling me was that she was flowing. She was losing track of time. And it so right. energized her that she was still getting up in the morning, which right. tells you, wow, you really enjoy reading. Mm -hmm. so all we tried to do and i I learned this through another author who who wrote a book on strengths-based parenting and this author said when you play to a child's strengths what you're doing for them is you're giving them energy reserves you're building them up so that when you have to go and tackle the c the thing that's not strong they have confidence they have energy so I said, Madeline, you love to read so much. How about this summer? We do a reading program and I'm going to hire you to be a reader. She, a she
0: was like, really? a dream <laughs> job, money, money,
2: yeah. money to read. <laughs> yeah. I said, you can order as many books as you want, as long as you read them and do a book report, turn it in every Monday and and daddy will pay you hundred page books for a dollar, 202 bucks, 500 or more uh, or 300 or more, you get five bucks. And off she went. And and I will usually ask an audience, "What do you think happened?" And someone will inevitably go, "You went broke." And I, go, <laughs> she, I I paid a lot of cash to my daughter. And I said, "Did you have her read math books?" I said, "No, I didn't pick the books. I felt like that would have been cheating. I let her pick her books, and and I I was monitoring le- reading level. I wanted to see if she would up herself, and she did. Mm-hmm. She picked subject matter. I think she and started topics. borrowing
3: books from her older daughter, or sister Bailey. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So she did, and so. At the conclusion of summer, very successful program with her and a lot of books. I said, hey, Madeline, you you know that C in math you had? She goes, yeah. I said, what do you think about doing some tutoring to help? And she said, sure, dad, I'd be happy to do that. Mm -hmm. And so when I asked parents, what do you think would have been our summer reality had I reversed it? Had I said, oh, yeah. Natalie, you got to see in maths this summer. We're gonna do math <laughs> tutoring. Aren't you excited? <laughs> we are gonna buy math workbooks in
3: every day. Yeah and, yeah, and
2: I, you know, you, you get and I said, for any of you who've raised a daughter around 12, you know what's coming. It's an eye roll, it's a oh dad, it's a, you know, and I probably could have gained compliance, right. but I would not have had shining eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could have she would have complied. I wouldn't have had so that that simple reverse because strengths always plays out in the aggregate of time. And if we can simply adjust time to give more time in that area of strength, we can then build on that and then remediate because she does need math. She's a senior now she's, she's making it through. Um, I could tell you right now, she, my daughter's not doing calculus and no intention of ever touching it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, she's proficient enough to where she can be set up for a career.
1: Yeah. That's that's so awesome and I can I can relate in a couple ways too because I I too would see those report cards our our girls have done homeschool they've done public school and so we we've got to see both of those those worlds but I would I too was like show me a you know a C or a B and that's the first thing I'm going to do the A's I'll just like oh you don't need my help apparently in that area uh, you've already got this whereas I would just I would hone in on that C or that B or I even just caught myself so our sixteen-year-old daughter Claire, um, last week was the state championship high school team uh, swim meet, and she awesome. she she swims the medley, and she does pretty pretty good at the medley. And I caught myself like her breaststroke and her butterfly are amazing, like strong shoulders. She can do it. And, but I was like, oh, that backstroke's kind of weak. And it was like, that's the first thing I wanted to hone in on. Like, man, if I got her a backstroke coach and I was like, well, I'm getting ready to interview Brandon and Annalyn Miller next week. And, <laughs> don't and I don't it. think they <laughs> would say work on the backstroke. I think they would say maybe develop the butterfly or the breast even better. And then that can, that can negate the fact that she's not the fastest backstroke swimmer and she can still do a pretty good medley or whatever. So I don't know if, uh, I just wanted to add that piece in.
2: You're on the right track. So Dr. Donald Clifton was the father of strengths-based psychology, and he tells a story from the 1984 Summer Olympics. They interviewed the coach of the ping-pong pending champion, the guy that was picked to win.
1: That's a lot of praise.
2: He was known, yeah, he was known as the table tennis champion who could not hit a backhand, couldn't hit one. And so when they interviewed the coach, he says, so what do you do with that? Everyone knows he can't hit a backhand, and the coach says, oh, that's easy. We spend eight hours a day on every other part of his game where it's strong because his backhand isn't even necessary. He beats everyone with the rest <laughs> of the game. And and so what, what Dr. Clifton took away from that is when you press down on your strengths, and so your strength on a scale of one to ten becomes a 15, it shadows, it covers right. the areas where you have two, it's three, so fours, and five higher. So yeah. so so the the moral is no, 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 no. Don't 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 bifurcate the time down to your weakness. Double down. Double down on the breaststroke, double down on the butterfly, because mm-hmm. you'll you'll tear away on those. Just as long as backstroke's adequate, you can get across the pool. Yeah. You can do that. And that that's a it's a but that is a mind shift for us. That takes a yes time to condition us to switch into it.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of this other quote from Donald O'Clifton from your book where he says, It's just good inspiration in general. What would happen if we studied what was right with people versus what was wrong? Which leads very well into this quote from the both of you uh, that I want to keep in mind from the book. And it says, yes, we parents have responsibilities as caregivers and influencers, but the next time you are frustrated about or unforgiving of your child's behavior trace that feeling back to its source that source will be fear not love it will be guilt not grace fear is a big one for me annalyn i wonder if you might speak to this idea of love over fear because i could see with maddie how you could be afraid that she wasn't going to have the skills she needs in math so you would focus so much on math um yeah, how do you shift your mindset? How does fear show up? How do you choose love over fear?
3: Oh, that is such a great question. You know, I I think first off, you, you know, it it is one of those things that as as human beings, we already have a nature of of being guarded for instance, right? Like we we have these guards up and we trust when there's been enough whatever good deeds and we go okay, now I'll trust. XYZ, and I think with our kids, you know, as we we um, shifted this in the relationship with our kids, I, I do think that there is um, for us, we had to let go of recognizing that ultimately God knows who this child is and who who they're going to become, and I do think that there's there's a point where you have to just say to yourself, I'm going to trust God. I am going to trust him and know that he is going to give me the wisdom to raise this child. And for instance, you know, in Brandon's story of of one of our kids just shifting into areas that we had no experience in. Right. So at that point we don't have the experience. So we don't exactly know how to maybe take them down that path. And I feel like a lot of times we get worried about the unknown and rather than shifting into, a, do you want to add to this shifting into a place of um, gaining knowledge, connecting them with someone who maybe knows more in an area um, and letting go of our expectations and realizing that we can just trust that ultimately, like I said, that God is going to give us the wisdom and the people in the space of parenting to partner with, um, with our child. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. I, we have a recent case study of this So our, our 18 year old who's a freshman in college announced recently a career path that neither one of us really understood. It's a little and, scary. Yeah. And, and not yeah. really, not sure, scary, I, but not we really, just don't know anything sure about it. Support it. Yeah. And in a conversation, it actually eroded, unfortunately, into, into a, an unnecessary conflict. And, and when, when postmortem reviewing the conflict, I had to acknowledge I was afraid. I didn't want her to go down a path that that I thought would not be good for her. So instead of pulling back and saying, okay, at at my core, I love this person more than I love me and, and, and God loves her more than I ever could. And so I have to trust that he's got a plan and a path and I can, I can, um, you know, with kids, sometimes when you, when you try to talk them out of it, you're actually talking them into it. You know? <laughs> oh <yes. laughs> Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Especially if they're strong willed, yeah. if a strong willed child brings to you an idea, sometimes the best thing you can do is just go along for the ride. <laughs> I like, love that. Just, just, just hold it back, you know, try to put on your best face and like, okay, tell me more, become curious, fascinated, yes. right? Ask questions, see where it goes and avoid what they, you think they might be sending you up for is there waiting for the pushback? The are you sure or that's a terrible idea? Because any time in our parenting where we feel like we've diverted, and it was such a great question away from love is the root to fear yeah. is the root, it doesn't have a happy ending. Not, not in that not in that day, that conversation, that conflict. But here's the here's the reality, right? For us parents, you're going to blow this.
1: <laughs> we're Spoiler <all> alert: <laughs>
2: to blow this, we're all going to mess it up. And so here's the beautiful part of the something we put in our book and it's those important words of I I was wrong and I'm sorry. The acknowledgment mm-hmm. and the apology our kids are hardwired to want to accept us back. Yes. They, they 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 can't do they can't not have our approval. They need it. And so when you acknowledge and apologize you're actually setting the stage for them to be humble, for mm-hmm. them to it's okay if if mom or dad are going to blow it and make mistakes and say the wrong things and have all the wrong responses, what have you, so can you. And and that has been a really important part of how we get back to love, mm-hmm. and, you know, reconcile it back to love.
0: I know for me, sorry, ah. you probably have a question and I don't want to monopolize, but I want to just make a couple notes for me also, uh, my fears are about me. What does this say about me if my child does this or wants this? And so Mm -hmm. like going to love just makes it about them and not about me. Um, and the other thing I heard recently that I was reminded of Brandon, when you were talking was that children are also hardwired for fairness, right? So when something seems unfair, if we don't own that, our role in that, they are the ones that take the blame for that. So they don't say in their mind necessarily, my parents did something wrong. They say I did something wrong or I am wrong. And so until we can say I was wrong, I'm sorry, they're going to own part of that in themselves and feel like they are wrong. They were wrong. They are unworthy in some way. So thank you for bringing that up and noting that.
1: Yeah. Just, um, I mean this, I could, I could take this a hundred different ways right now, but I think it's like, until I, I, I first, it sounds similar to you, Brandon. Like I first learned, um, we were doing a book study at work in leadership and we started discovering more about john maxwell and servant leadership and that was just like boom like i was like oh this whole time i thought the whole reason that i'm here is to lead this team to basically be the smartest guy in the room to always be right to have the best ideas and i wasn't i wasn't empowering anyone around me i was just like i need to em- appear infallible and as like the expert and they will that's what a good leader is and then once i started discovering like maxwell and some of these other great authors and teachers to me the more i learned i'm sorry is like some of the best words or i was wrong are some of the best words that your team can ever hear and just empower and bring it up because they know when you're wrong uh <laughs> they're just like oh crap he doesn't even realize he's wrong so once <laughs> once you finally start admitting you're wrong or that you made a mistake it just like empowers everyone in the room around you because then they are able to feel like, oh, take inspiration of, I made a mistake in this area, or I was wrong, or I'm not good at this. And then taking that, that humility and then coupling that with realizing on my, my team at work, I just had a lot of people in the wrong positions. I was, I was playing to almost everyone's weaknesses. Like <laughs> I had, I had the people dealing with customers that are just like, ah, like that's just <laughs> not the people I should have had dealing with customers. And, and so there's just, it was such an empowering lesson there, but the dots didn't quite connect fully until I, I read your guys's book on, oh, my, my two beautiful daughters are the same thing (laughs) you know there's there's a chance I'm putting them in a position to fail because I'm expecting them to be strong at this or I want them to be strong at this or I haven't I haven't been curious enough or fascinated enough and just tried to push too much of me onto them and so that was again a big appreciation to you all for for writing this book and helping me to connect some of those dots
0: speaking of our own daughters I think you had a question you wanted to ask them get a little bit of like free coaching from you guys With someone listening, yeah.
1: So yeah, one of the, so our youngest daughter, Delilah, she's 11 right now. She's homeschooled, and so she's off in her room while mom and dad are doing their recording. But right now, her hamster died a couple weeks ago, and this girl is just like an animal savant. Like, she can speak to animals. She knows about animals. It brings, you want to talk about eyes shining, this lady uh, can, whether she's studying a a hummingbird or uh, a roly-poly, She just loves living creatures. And so her hamster dies, and she's starting to make the pitch of the next animals that she wants to bring into our house. And it's guinea pigs. And I'm like, ooh. And she's like, well, they live longer, and they eat more, and their cage is going to be bigger. So I'm hearing all these things of like, ah, I don't want, you know, like, let me try to talk her out of this. But her eyes really do shine, uh, you know, when she does this. And it, it does bring her energy. And there's seldom a moment where I'm like, Lila remember to feed your animal or remember to build a new enrichment exercise for your animal. she just does that like there's no we didn't
0: even know there were enrichment yeah. exercises for animals, but she was building obstacle courses for her hamster who she really loved and truly has been grieving since he passed away. And it started with like, okay, maybe a salamander, this obscure, like hard to obtain kind of salamander that's going to live for 20 years, right? And like, luckily, through a little bit of coaching, now it's a guinea pig, but it can't be one guinea pig, it needs to be two because they're social creatures. And yeah, so we're just like, how do we play to this strength and also not have our house full of creatures and we want to travel yes (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly yeah
1: because i think you guys tell a story well in the book of of someone i don't know if you it was you brandon but you had an interaction with maybe a colleague or a friend where the the kid drew on the desk or or made artwork out of out of furniture which it's like we don't do that in this household but it's it's like sometimes you have to lean into those things that might not be chris and debbie's ideal version or may not make our eyes shine but yeah maybe speak to that if you could
2: so we went through this with a puppy, mm. So we, we have had the worst luck with dogs. Um, we, we treated them well, as best we could. We just were not a dog family. We didn't do a good job caring for an animal. And our son, David, um, was pressing the case. He really wanted a puppy. And so we were, we were of the mind of, we just can't, David, we, we love, you know, we, we, we want the animal to thrive and at least survive, right? Um, And so he really made the case for how he would be responsible. He would care for the animal. He would do the thing. So mom got involved, who was, I'm not to tell on you, but the greatest obstacle is going to be mom. And I was like, okay, I'll sign off. Like, let's give it a go. And mom's like, oh no. There are seven of you humans here. We're way outnumbered. I do not need a puppy. And so David really... Um, caught her to a point where then she did some of her own research and sort David and I breeds. were yeah. were
3: really the one the main ones that got dove deep into this. Yeah,
2: and so um, so we end up with an animal that uh, cost a lot more than what we thought we wanted to spend because uh, of just the breed and how the breed could fit really well. And what we marvelled at, I mean, what we marvelled at is our twelve year old at the time everything he said he would do go back to the eyes shining he did and then some mm. i mean he was up with the puppy when it was crying um london is her name that is the, that he is her person
0: oh, i mean if he's anywhere
2: london is going to be where in he his is bed by his yeah by, he yeah. will and so we we opted in that season to go away from our preference as and a, fears. Yeah. There were
3: some fears involved, obviously. From yeah, trust. we
2: didn't want the puppy messes everywhere. Yeah. We, didn't, you know, we didn't want an animal to feel neglected yeah. with our busy lives. And yet what we what we aired on the side of was, OK, if, if this is a developmental opportunity for him. Right. And there or is some connection to somewhere else in his life that's going to come from this. Then as we thought and prayed and said, OK, let's in, we're going to invest in David through this animal.
3: Right. Mm -hmm. And,
2: and that's what moved us over the edge at the time is because we could see it as, all right, this is our son who happens to have very high responsibility as a strength. So when he says he's going to do something, this kid does it. And so what we've seen two years later is. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. To, in fact, he announced the other day, he's like, I just want everyone to know when I move, London comes with me. Yeah, he, <laughs> he announced
3: that. And I said, well, I paid for London. Dad and I paid for London. So London's typically half of <laughs> ours too.
2: But but we're pretty sure she's she's going she's with She's going to go with David. <laughs> yeah. he, he so that, to make that's how we walk, that, that was our process of, we see his eyes shining. I want to go with that. We talk about the book, go with their natural momentum. Right. Because they're going to give you clues. Now, obviously the moral of the story isn't we give to every whim as children can bring us ideas and we go, let's say it again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, and so,
3: but this was probably six months of, yeah.
2: It sounds like with Delilah, you definitely have a child who's already shown her, her faithfulness. Mm -hmm. So, you know,
0: yeah, Thanks. thank you. Your words. Bring home a <laughs> yeah, your she came words, out of
1: her room while she heard her name spoke, So I think she's vested <laughs> in this answer. So she can't hear you unfortunately, but uh, okay. she'll have to listen in. <laughs> but
0: your words did remind me that she has proven her trust in this place. So those are, that's a good reminder for
1: sure. And that's what I do. Like I'm, or I'm, that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to lean into like I, developmentally, like whether or not right. she develops a career uh, that has to do with animals, or if this is just a piece that she learns that she's a nurturer in this way, right. or this is, you know, this is a curiosity that drives her. I think these are all good things that are going to do much better than like when I hand her a, a workbook in homeschool and say like, okay, we'll go work on your math, you know, which mm-hmm. I- isn't her her cup of tea necessarily either. So, uh, yeah. And
0: also, yeah, your words that like you bought David, the dog that was more expensive than you expected, but you shifted that again, another mindset shift. You were investing in David. You weren't just buying a dog. You were investing in your son and it's proven, you know, he's been responsible and trustworthy and that's been a good investment in him. It sounds like so. Very good. Thank you. And and it
2: helps that his older sister, Madeline, is also an animal whisperer, like your daughter, Delilah.
3: Ours just got a hog. So (laughs)
2: she she raises it. Today, her room is Wild Kingdom because she buys plants from everywhere. Now, that's her. She's a, she's an emerging botanist.
3: She wants to, yeah.
2: But, but it was funny watching the pair because they, like our dog can do the coolest tricks. Like mm-hmm. we have the coolest dog. Um, and it's because they, you know, they took it very serious to invest in her and care for our, our animal. And so today we live back and go,
1: this was good. This oh, yeah. was
2: a yes. good call and we're yeah. happy we, we, we went down this path.
0: Well, very good. Thank you. It's looking like it's about time to wrap up. So maybe to just put a pin in this conversation, make something a little more summarized and tangible here at the end. Uh, I wonder if you might have one or two simple ways that someone might be able to get started today or tomorrow in helping them discover, nurture, and foster their own children's strengths. Just maybe a quick tip or two.
2: Yeah, so I would I would say the five E's that we covered. So if, if you if you write down the name of your child on a piece of paper, and then you write down those enthusiasm, ease, excellence, energy, enjoyment. And above that, you start to to list out uh, different activities that your child's involved in. And, and almost like checking the boxes, like, okay, am I seeing eyes shining? Am I seeing these five? And and it's a great way to just do a self and child assessment around. Where is time going now? Because in this approach, time is the equalizer. So just to actually do an assessment, because many of our kids are very busy, and and we have them engaged in a lot of things, and it's a really, really helpful way to self-assess. Number two, I think um, it's called the frustration evaluation. And this is where, as a parent, you're going to take a look at where am I most being triggered by my child? What, what is it? What what's the scenario? What's the conversation? And and here are the challenge is how do we go from that feeling to a question? What's the curiosity? What's the fascination here? Mm-hmm. And 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 looking for what's under that? What what emerging strength does my child potentially have? And so it, it's probably a good point to mention in this book, it will refer you to a website. And on the website, there's a couple of free resources to learn your child's parenting, or excuse me, your child's strengths. And it's a very simple 10-minute little assessment, but it gives you at least some clues, Mm -hmm. some places to look. And you can think of it as early as like
0: school age,
2: four or five, you know, up through teen years, but at least you can start to go, ah, I see that personality in them. Mm -hmm. Now, how might I approach that?
0: Mm.
1: Yes. Thank very you. helpful. That was one thing that I loved about your book as well is I often read a book and then it's like, okay, now how I've got to get clever. Like how do I implement this into my daily life? Your book, uh, you don't have to be that clever. You just have, have to go. Playbook. Yeah. The yeah. playbook in the back just makes it so easy. Like um, I try to do daddy daughter dates, you know, at a regular interval and one of the the daddy daughter dates, I, um, I can't remember exactly what the chapter was, but it was um, just, you know, asking these kinds of questions and on the, surface, uh, on the surface and in reality, they're not that probing or hard of a question. There's sometimes as a dad, I try to go a little too like big with a question. It's like, okay, just back off a little bit. And that's what <laughs> I love about the book is, you know, these questions are very easy for for my young daughter to hear and be able to, to, you know, consider and then give the answers. And sometimes it's exactly how I thought it was going to be. And sometimes it's like, oh, wow, I never would have thought uh, that this is, you know, the, the answer that that she gave was I never would have, have, have thought that. So it's just like, oh, this, empowers me as her father to know her and become better connected to her and help support her in ways uh, that allow her to be her and uh, and everything. And
0: continue to be curious, just like when she was an infant, like you said so well. Yeah, so thank you so much. This is certainly your wisdom and this information has been a gift to your family, I'm sure, and will be a gift to so many others, us included. So thank you very much for sharing that. I think Chris just has a fun, easy way to end this conversation, hopefully, that we've been trying out lately.
1: Oh, as far, yeah, actually, I, I would have forgotten about this. So, <laughs> so this is the Go Bucket Yourself podcast. And the idea is like how to, how to live your dreamy life, your bucket list life. And sometimes that looks like jumping off of a, a building in a, with a bungee cord. And sometimes that looks like writing a book. Um, so is there something that you guys have, uh, on your bucket list or your dream list or something that in your future that you're excited about that makes your eyes shine? Uh, and could you share that with our, us and our audience?
2: Mm. Well, right now, com- yeah, coming off of the pandemic, it's travel. Oh, so yeah. we're, we're excited to take a couple trips. One is we have been, we're a part of a nonprofit that has uh, work in Uganda and we're excited to go see, uh, the, the consequence of our. Serving here and some of our investments, so that's one of our. Yeah. bucket lists to go help with there. And the second is, um, we're very excited to go tour Europe. We've been waiting for years to do that. We're we're hoping that we are, had to cancel it yeah, twice. Yeah. Oh. Um, so so the travel is. What makes our eyes shine? Probably because we're not with our kids.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> He's
2: probably, joking. Pro- probably because we get to go and have time with. We're very curious people, we yeah. do
3: love to travel, but yeah, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing Uganda, there's. Uh, Since we've been with them, they've they've started. They just started building a school, so it's a it's an orphanage or a children's home that we already have, and they just started building the school. So oh.
1: beautiful.
0: November, we're supposed to go and get to see. I think they'll have the preschool done by yeah. then. Yeah, we're yeah,
3: excited for that
0: That'll be amazing. What are you most excited about in Europe, Annalyn?
3: Oh, whew. let's see. <laughs> I want. I definitely want to go to Greece, yeah. uh, and Rome, and.
2: Gosh! Yeah, I think I think we had, the tour we were supposed to take was ten sites. Yeah. Um, so I think what we want to do is learn what we want to be. We we love London, London. We've been there, but we we'd be happy to check out some other spots and then yeah. branch out from Europe to other parts of the world.
0: Well, it's making me think of a lot of food. So yes. I'm. Guessing that's a big part of it, maybe. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Absolutely. Cool.
0: cool. Well, um, I'm sure people listening will want to get to know more about you, where they can uh, get your information and the the books you've created. So how might people get in touch with you or get to know you better, learn more about you?
2: Sure. com, and it's A-N-A-L-Y-N and Brandon, com that would be the place to see some of our stuff and look at our books and find out how to reach out to us. Great.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here, Annalyn and Brandon. We had a, a wonderful conversation today and appreciate your time. For sure.
0: In our conversation with Brandon and Annalyn, we've been talking about finding and nourishing our children's strengths to support them in living out their purpose in life with confidence and fulfillment. But what we know here at Go Bucket Yourself is that so many of us adults have daily struggles doing that ourselves. Perhaps through empowering our children to focus on their strengths rather than their weaknesses, we might also learn to treat ourselves with such grace. Perhaps through learning to parent our own children in this way, we might also learn to reparent ourselves in such a way as well. In the top five regrets of the dying, Brawny Ware states, The number one regret of those on their deathbed as, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. We don't want a life for our children that does not feel true to themselves, that's based on what others expected of them. We also don't want that for ourselves, do we? How can we show up as the parents, the leaders of our children, if we don't know how to show up for ourselves first? Is it not true that most often, children don't do as we say, they do as we do? Annalyn and Brandon inspire us to learn these skills in their book. They say, you can teach children how to let go of other people's expectations and courageously find their own path, full of adventure and fulfillment. When you do this, you can parent through the years without regret, having accomplished the goal of helping your children discover how to walk in their purpose. Might it be a good idea to do this ourselves if we are to expect to teach it to our children? In their book, Brandon and Annalyn suggest choosing fascination over frustration, love over fear, and grace over guilt. We can learn and grow right along with our children if we begin shifting our treatment of ourselves and our endeavors in this same way. Just imagine, as Donald O'Clifton said, what would happen if we studied what was right with people versus what's wrong? May you focus more on strengths today than weaknesses, friend, yours and those you're in relationship with. May fascination, love, and grace fill much more of your days than frustration, fear, and guilt. In doing so, may you begin to find and build a confidence in yourself that allows you to discover and carry out your true purpose, finding with it an enthusiasm for your days so great that it can't help spilling over onto those around you. And as always, much love to you today and every day.